You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Welcome to this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. And as normal, I'd like to start off with a shout out to our new listeners. And this week we have new listeners in London, Southampton, Birmingham, Cardiff, Manchester, Leeds, Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Norwich, Portsmouth, Ipswich, Swansea, Guildford, and also in Dublin, in Ireland, Paris, in France, La Coruña and Barcelona, in Spain, Utrecht, Amsterdam, Rotterdam and North Brabant, in the Netherlands, Frankfurt, in Germany, Freiburg and Valais, in Switzerland, Turin and Milan, in Italy, Vienna in Austria, Prague in the Czech Republic, Malopolsky in Poland, Hovedstaden in Denmark, Stockholm in Sweden, Oslo in Norway, Zagreb in Croatia, Serbia, the Ionian Islands in Greece, Istanbul in Turkey, Kampala in Uganda, Beijing and Henan in China, Tokyo in Japan, Sydney and Brisbane in Australia, the Distrito Federal and Sao Paulo in Brazil, Quebec and British Columbia in Canada, and finally from America we have Memphis, San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, Cleveland, Akron, Denver, Washington DC, Greensboro, High Point, Winston-Salem, Dallas, Fort Worth, Atlanta, Boston, Elmira, New York, Seattle, Austin, Portland, Orlando, Daytona Beach, Melbourne, San Diego, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo, Battle Creek, Colorado Springs, Salt Lake City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Pasco and Philadelphia. So as always, new listeners from right around the globe, and a big warm welcome to you, and I hope you uh, carry on to enjoy week by week the GDPR weekly show and the latest news that we bring you about GDPR. But of course also a big welcome back to all my regular listeners who now listen from many, many countries right across the world. And a big welcome back to you. I do really appreciate you taking 30 minutes or so out of your week to catch up on the latest news in the world of GDPR. And as always, if you have any suggestions for the programme or any feedback, please do email us at podcasts at insurety.co.uk. That's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y dot co.uk. Or go to the podcast page on our website at www.insurety.co.uk forward slash podcasts where you can find all the back episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. The GDPR Weekly Show is, of course, also available on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and all the other major podcast platforms. And in a few moments, I will be telling you what's coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. So coming up in this, the 40th episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have a look at the recent court case um, taken by the Duke and Duchess of Sussex against 
a photo agency over photographs taken of their rented cottage in the Trotswolds and the impact that that could have generally on how that's now affected photographs and GDPR. We then have details of a data breach at Charmwood Borough Council. We then have a second uh, data breach, this time just of paper documents, but a very serious data breach nonetheless at Highland Council, the largest council in Scotland. And then finally this week we have news from the Channel Islands on a data breach which has affected two of their bus companies. So as usual, quite a spread of items on this week's uh, GDPR Weekly Show. And we very much hope that you enjoy this week's programme and find it useful and informative. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. If you're in the UK, then you may well have seen in the mainstream media this week that Prince Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, won a legal dispute against an agency called Splash News, a photo agency, which had used a helicopter to take pictures inside his home in the Cotswolds. What you might not have picked up from the mainstream media, though, was that as part of his argument against uh, Splash News, Prince Harry relied on breaches of GDPR. And I think it's fair to say that this is a very unexpected use of GDPR, which you know everyone tends to think of in terms of online databases or um, other records, but that people don't really appreciate in terms of your image and also photographs of your image. And it opens up a new avenue, I think, not just in the royal family's never-ending struggle to keep part of their lives out of the public eye, but doubtless other celebrities and other high-profile individuals too will be using it, and indeed it may spread to others. Um, So to do a bit of background, Prince Harry this week notched another victory in the royal family's long-running battle with paparazzi photographers by securing a substantial payout from an agency which had used a helicopter to take pictures inside the house he was renting. According to a statement delivered to London's High Court on Thursday this week, in which the paparazzi agency Splash News apologised to Harry, also known as the Duke of Sussex, they said, This matter concerns a claim for misuse of private information, breaches of the Duke's right to privacy under Article 8 of the European Convention on Human Rights, and breaches of the General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR, and the Data Protection Act 2018, DPA. Royals and celebrities arguing that media coverage invades their privacy is probably very well-trodden ground. Uh, If we think back only a couple of years, Prince William and Kate Middleton famously won a payout from the French edition of Closer magazine on privacy grounds after it published topless photographs of Kate Middleton while she was on holiday in Provence. But pursuing photographers on the grounds that their basis constitutes illegal data processing is a new strategy and a use of GDPR, which I think I and a few others would have predicted. Much of the focus on GDPR has been about how it pertains to mass processing data. So we, we, we ourselves on this 
GDPR Weekly Show often talk about data breaches, whether that's um, personal information, whether it's financial information, whether it's email addresses, whatever. But if you look at the thrust of Prince Harry's legal argument, then he's very much arguing a photograph can be personal data too. And of course this is true because uh, one of the things we covered a couple of weeks ago on the GDPR Weekly Show was the fact that there are now clearer guidelines on CCTV and how CCTV falls under GDPR. And obviously one of the potential things there is essentially a still image of someone, which in all intents and purposes is a photograph. But Harry's lawyers took that stage further and argued that a photograph was personal data too, even if it was not one of you yourself, but it was one of your home, even if you weren't home. And uh, particularly if from the photograph it was possible to determine an individual address. Now, any of you who've looked at Street View on Google Maps may have noticed that Google quite deliberately often um, obscures names or numbers on properties to make it harder for someone looking at an image on Google Maps to establish exactly which property is which. We tried to contact uh, Harry's lawyers, Harbottle and Lewis, but they declined to comment further and we've not yet received a comment from Splash News. Because once you accept that the pictures Splash took count as Harry's personal data, then that puts on Splash a whole host of obligations. We should say here that because the legal dispute did not get as far as an actual trial, so the issues have still not been tried in court, but it's interesting to see the arguments which Harbottle and Lewis acting on behalf of Prince Harry have put forward. And although Splash apologised to Harry in its court statement, it did not admit specific wrongdoing. And so, who knows, if it had gone to court, it might have argued that it hadn't in fact breached GDPR. But because it chose to settle, and both parties chose to settle out of court, then we will probably never know. But according to Article 5 of the GDPR regulation, companies are obliged to handle data in a fairly and in a transparent manner and also to only use it for legitimate purposes. You also need a reason to handle the data and that might be the subject's consent, some kind of contract, because you need it to pursue your business, because it's in the public interest, or for a legitimate purpose. And I think the interesting phrase here is in the public interest because Something which is of interest to the public is not necessarily in the public interest and that's something which has been proven in numerous court cases over the last few years, quite aside from GDPR. But even from what we know about the case, it can be seen that GDPR has given the royals and therefore I'm sure in turn other celebrities and other individuals another tool in their legal arsenal to fend off what they see as unjustifiable intrusion into their lives by photographers. Legal experts have indeed previously said that data protection legislation could give public figures a different way to hamper the media. 
Timothy Pinto, a senior counsel for the law firm Taylor Wessing, said, To succeed in a defamation claim, the claimant must establish that at least that, one, the statement complained of is defamatory of him or her, and two, the serious harm to reputation threshold has been met. For a privacy claim, the claimant must establish the information is private. But in contrast, the claimant relying on data protection law, or GDPR, need not prove either of these things. It's surely coincidental, and I'm sure it is, that GDPR came into force in the 25th of May 2018, less than a week after Harry and Meghan got married. That really would be too much of a coincidence, even for the biggest conspiracy theorists in uh, Europe. But... I think it does highlight an area now that GDPR is being used to fundamentally reshape some of the boundaries that we've become used to. Now what causes could, or what arguments could um, Splash have used? Could they have said that taking the photographs and holding the photographs was in their legitimate interest because they were a news photography agency and by definition taking photographs of celebrities and the royal family and other famous people is what a newspaper photography agency is going to do. So was that a legitimate interest? Could they argue under public interest? Was it in the public interest to know what Harry and Meghan's rented house in the Cotswolds looked like? turn that the other way though and does Prince Harry and Meghan the Duchess of Sussex have a case for saying that their data was breached that their, their rights under GDPR were breached I guess we'd have to wait for another day to find the answer to that because this case, this case itself was settled out of court but does perhaps give some proof of thought, and I'd be really interested to know, because I know some other GDPR practitioners listen to uh, this broadcast, what do you think? Do you think the court was right? Do you think Splash News were in the right? Or do you think that uh, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex were, were right? Let me know. Send me um, your thoughts by email to podcasts at insurety.co.uk that's e-n-s-u-r-e-t-y dot co.uk and I, I look forward to hearing what you have to say and uh, I will try and collate some of the responses together for an article in a future edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host Keith Budden. We are getting an increasing number of our customers now already contacting us to arrange an audit as now it's coming up to towards a year from when GDPR came in and they want to make sure that they're operating as they should be and we'd like to offer this service out to all of you, all of our listeners. Uh, so if you'd like us to perform an audit on your GDPR uh, operations and make sure that you are recording everything you need to be, that you have all the necessary procedures in place and that you know how to action those procedures. 
please do get in touch with us via podcasts at insurability.co.uk. That's podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at insurity, E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y dot co.uk. Please make the subject of your email GDPR audit and we'll get the relevant person to contact you. Um, We're able to carry out audits either on-site or remotely and for a pleasantly low cost. Um, I'm sure you'll be pleasantly surprised with the figure we're able to provide you with for providing the audit. I can't give a global figure here because it does affect, it does depend on how many employees, how many customers, how many records, etc. you have. Um, But please do get in contact with us. It's totally without obligation. But do get in contact with us to arrange an audit because uh, if you do want the audit done around May or June of this year to be annual from when GDPR came in, we are rapidly filling our diaries for that period. So uh, don't delay. Do get in touch. Do it this week. And we'll be pleased to provide you with a quote and for the first five of you to contact us to request a a data audit a data breach audit i'm pleased to be able to say that we will provide that to you for 50 percent of our normal fee but that's only for the first five of you to contact us as a result of this podcast check us out on facebook Charnwood Borough Council, which covers the area uh, roughly in a triangle between Nottingham, Leicester and Derby, suffered a data breach this week. The council published personal details of residents online by mistake. Officials at Charnwood Borough Council failed to remove from a document names, addresses, phone numbers and email addresses of people who had responded to it on a survey for levels of council tax to be levied on empty homes before that data was uploaded to its website. There were some 134 people affected and the authority has emailed all these 134 affected people apologising for the data breach. We believe that Charnwood Borough Council had already reported this data breach to the Information Commissioner, but in case they didn't, one of the people affected has themselves reported the information, reported the breach to the Information Commissioner and requested the ICO to investigate. We don't yet have a comment from the ICO because this only happened in the last few days. Um, The council, when we spoke to them, said they had digitally blanked out the personal information, but they should have actually removed it, as someone with editing software could still access it. They said it was unclear whether anyone had actually accessed the personal data this way before the error was spotted and reported to them. The resident who has reported the authority to the ICO said that he had been unaware his details had been published online until he received the apology email. He said, I was shocked. I work in IT and a statutory organisation like Charmwood should not be making such basic mistakes. I hope they will learn from this and it doesn't happen again.
a Chambered Borough Council spokesman, said, We would clearly like to apologise to the people affected by this incident and we would like to reassure residents that we have reviewed our processes to ensure this does not happen again. The Council's DPO, Megan Bilton, said in her letter, As soon as the Council became aware of the published report not being redacted correctly, the document was removed from the website. As the Council's data protection officer, I was informed of the matter and have investigated the circumstances of how the report was published in this way, and as a Council we are now taking steps to ensure that an incident of this nature does not happen again. I would like to apologise that this breach has occurred. I understand that it is concerning to learn that personal data has been published without your knowledge, and would like to reassure everyone that the information is no longer available outside of the Council, and that we are taking appropriate steps following this breach. So we wait and see what the response to come back from the ICO will be on this. I suspect since Charmwood acted quickly and that the data was redacted, at least in its um, most obvious sense, then I would think they will probably get away with just a slap on the wrist. But who knows, they may get a fine. The, the, the climate on fines is changing all the time at the moment in the world of GDPR and it's one of the things which is keeping everyone on their toes and quite rightly so. But I think there's a lesson there to be learned though for all organisations which is to make sure that any data that you publish on the web particularly can't be then used in some way by someone who knows their way around a web page, knows perhaps how to get into the underlying HTML of the page and understand what's going on or how to run JavaScript that might be running on that page. Do just pay careful attention to that and you know have have a think. Make sure you carry out a data privacy impact assessment if you think that that's necessary in potential to the data that you're putting onto your website. Is there a danger that if that data was wrong or was able to be accessed in a way you hadn't interpreted, that there could then be a data breach which may lead then obviously to further ramifications for your organisation. As always, if you'd like our help on looking into a data privacy impact assessment with you. We're quite happy to provide an independent pair of eyes to look at what you're doing, suggest any loopholes, any, any potential problems that we can see based on our wealth of experience of dealing now with hundreds of organisations. And if you'd like to take advantage of that, please do, of course, get in touch with us via our website or by email to podcast at insurability.co.uk. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Highland Council in Scotland has reported itself to the Information Commissioner after confidential documents about more than two dozen children were found by a member of the public. An urgent investigation has been launched by Scotland's largest local authority, after the eight-page document was discovered alongside general waste outside of the Inverness headquarters of Highland Council. 
it is understood that the document contains the full names, dates of birth and case numbers of 28 children, one of the children being as young as 8 months old. In one excerpt from the papers, a adoption case was discussed in some detail. A council spokeswoman said, The council is investigating this as a matter of urgency. We have been in touch with the Information Commissioner's Office and will be reporting a breach to them in due course. We do have a policy on the destruction of confidential waste which is covered by our Information Security and Assurance Policy. The confidential panel minutes were first discovered by a local resident who was investigating concerns of fly-tipping in the area. The papers, including sticky notes with details of queries to the council, were found on the ground and in ripped bin bags at the top of an open bin. Member of the Scottish Parliament, Rhoda Grant, has condemned the situation as inexcusable. She said, Clearly this is a serious breach of confidentiality. The fact that these sensitive documents could have been accessed by the public is, to me, shocking and inexcusable. It brings into question what training social work staff have had regarding confidentiality and GDPR. The council policy states that paper containing personal information must be disposed of using the council's confidential waste paper disposal bins or other approved methods. Deputy Provost of Inverness, Beth McAllister, said she had never seen a breach of this magnitude in her 12 years with the council. She said, I'm totally shocked. I'm sitting here absolutely stunned. I can't believe it. It's really disappointing and I can't understand how it's happened. Obviously, I'm going to investigate this further because this should never have happened and I will make damn sure that it never happens in the future. In the 12 years I've been in the council, I've never heard of anything like it. Meanwhile, Case Nest Councillor Raymond Bremner was prepared to attend a meeting last night to discuss its underlying implications. He added, This raises multiple questions about the policies and procedures that the Highland Council is in place in respect of data protection. How can we be so inconsiderate in respect of the sensitivity and nature of the material that has been found? I would like to sincerely thank the person who reported this matter and I'll be raising it tonight with the Council's Chief Executive Officer at a meeting I will be attending. We need to get to the bottom of this and ensure the persons responsible are held to account so that we never have an incident like this again. Senior Councillor Alan Henderson said that the system has gone wrong somewhere before apologising to anyone who's for any concern or hurt it has caused. For the ICO, a spokeswoman said... All organisations have the obligation to keep personal data secure, whether it's in electronic or paper format, particularly when sensitive data is involved. If, any of the, if anyone has concerns about how their data has been handled, they can report the concerns to the ICO and they will look into the details. And I think what this case does do, shocking as it is, of course, for, for this sensitive data to have been treated so carelessly, in this way is that it does highlight something which certainly we make clear in our training which is that GDPR is not just about data that's held on the computer it's also about data that's on paper and that's really important that all organizations get to grips with that 
because this case clearly indicates that maybe not all organisations are treating that as seriously as they should and hopefully this case will result in a financial penalty to Highland Council and perhaps that will then make other organisations realise that they do have to think carefully about how they dispose particularly of confidential waste. It's not sufficient to simply put confidential waste into the bin and dispose of it with general refuse. So perhaps if you do nothing else this week, have a think about your own organisation and just make sure that you have procedures in place to ensure that any confidential waste is dealt with responsibly and correctly and so it can't be you who will be featuring in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show because it's your confidential data that's been found in the street. Please don't allow that to happen. As we get any further news on this from the ICO or indeed from Highland Council, we will of course bring it to you in a future edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Thursday, the 2nd of May, saw the local elections across England and Northern Ireland. And certainly in England, it saw a major change in the makeup of most of the local councils. And as a result, of course, that means there are now lots of new councillors who will probably not have received training in GDPR. And yet it's important that all do to enable your local authority to remain GDPR compliant. And so having previously provided training to a large number of local authorities in England, uh, we will be running a special online training session in the week commencing the 20th of May uh, this year. And we will repeat the session as many times as we need to to train everybody. If you uh, are listening and are one of our existing customers or you're not one of our customers yet, but you are from a local authority and you'd like your new elected members to benefit from our GDPR training which is specially tuned towards the needs of elected members then do make sure you listen to next week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show when we'll be bringing you details of how to access the online training. It will be a live session so there will be an opportunity for your members to ask questions and get answers from our experts. Uh, there will be a charge for the online session and the demo providing details of all of that next week. But please do remember that it's your elected members um, individual responsibilities to make sure that they are GDPR compliant. And so we hope that a good number of you will choose to take up those training sessions. But congratulations to everyone who's now been elected as a local councillor in England or indeed has made their way onto one of the new Northern Ireland authorities and commiserations with all those candidates who were 
unfortunately not successful this time around and best of luck for you all in the future. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. And finally this week, a data breach at Jersey's Bus Company. Uh, The Channel Islands-based bus company suffered a data breach after hackers infiltrated its website. Passwords and login details for hundreds of Liberty Bus customers were obtained by the hackers who actually set up a spoof website, almost like a phishing website in a way, a spoof website to divert those wanting to top up their prepaid Avanti charge, which is like a, a um, oyster card, but for use in the Channel Islands. The Channel Islands Office of the Information Commissioner is now investigating the breach which was reported by the bus operator to the Information Commissioner this week. Kevin Hart, the director of Liberty Bus, said the roadside had been shut down and the data breach reported within hours of being discovered on Wednesday. We are working with the Commissioner and the company which hosts our website on the investigation, he said. This is something that we take very seriously. We are very disappointed that this breach occurred and wish to apologise to those affected. It is understood that a total of 361 people in Jersey were involved which represents just under 2% of the island's 20,000 Avanti card holders. Another 82 customers of its sister operation, CT Plus, based in Guernsey, were similarly affected, and everyone concerned has now been contacted by the two operators involved. The breach only affected those who had sought to access the online top-up shops via the two operators' websites, and the bus companies and their hosting company are confident that no bank details were leaked. Mr Hart, who said that his own Avanti card was one of those involved, said it was a reminder of the importance of not using a single password for multiple websites. Many of us don't vary our passwords and this means that we're more vulnerable, he said. Paul Vane, Deputy Information Commissioner for Jersey, said Liberty Bus was to be commended for a swift and proactive reaction to the incident. Breaches are inevitable in the world we live in. It's all about how you deal with them, he said. So from that, I think it's fairly safe to assume that the um, Jersey Information Commissioner is regarding this case very much now as being closed. Uh, But we'll wait and see. And if there is any news or any update on it, we will, of course, bring it to you in a future edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurety.co.uk. You can find out more about us at Insurety at www.insurety.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurety production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurety.